day 50. When I decided to start doing these count my blessing posts, I had in mind that I would aim for 100, as just over three months seemed a reasonable recovery target to aim for. So on that basis, today is the halfway point. I find myself fluctuating between encouragement and frustration. A few of our neighbours congregated on our front lawn last night as we sat on our porch. Some of them had been on holiday recently, and they were kindly asking what progress I was making. It's a fair question after seven weeks, but it's hard to answer. Truth be told, I don't really know. I'm following all the recommendations of my health team, but it will take a scan and an x-ray to establish the extent of healing in my bones. This is the problem with measuring progress. It's not easy to see what is going on beneath the surface. We can have key performance indicators and attainment targets which will chart growth and potentially help with motivation, but these rest on what can be observed and assessed. What is going on beneath the surface is unseen. Is there more substance, strength and resilience in my character? How is my mental health going? What headway am I making emotionally or spiritually? Is my love, faith, hope and courage increasing? Is my maturity advancing? Paul writing to Timothy encourages him to be an example in speech, conduct, love, faith and purity, to devote himself to his calling and to develop his gifts. He closes this section with the instruction to be diligent in these matters, give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Some of these are more observable, and some largely internal. Safe to say that while I would like my ankle to be making faster progress, in myself I wish I had made more progress. I'm frequently a disappointment to myself and a pale imitation of who I aspire to be. But I do not give up and I do not despair because I know that I am a work in progress. I find other words of Paul an encouragement in this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As I chat and joke with my neighbours, they can see the impact of the break in my ankle and express their hopes it is healing. But we all have fractures in our hearts and spirits that are harder to see and less easy to mend. The intervention of grace is all that will make real and lasting progress possible. Today I am thankful for progress seen and unseen, 
I am grateful for neighbours, friends, family and colleagues through these 50 days. If you find yourself quietly despairing at your own lack of progress, crippled by hurt or disabled by fear, you are not alone. God has hold of you. And I will carry on counting my blessings one day at a time. Some friends helpfully commented on these thoughts. Their names, coincidentally, all begin with M. May. This has been my learning in being a leader, either in the secular or religious setting. The more involved in leadership, the more you realise how much you need to be humble and patient. The sad reality is how frightening it is when your own weaknesses are there to confront you. Keep on going. Marcus The older I get, the more suspicious I get of the external metrics thing. Too often I've used them as a substitute or surrogate for spiritual things of the heart that are less obvious. When we are younger, those visible growth targets look like success, except we can't actually say easily whether we are measuring the right things, and therefore we tend to measure the things we can deliver at the outside edge of our own ability and capacity so that we can exhaust ourselves carrying them out and then be congratulated both for succeeding and for being exhausted in ministry. Sometimes the Lord forces downtime to help us learn to lean on him and to realise all over again that it isn't us and our metrics that are accomplishing anything in a way. Mark These are helpful thoughts because they remind me that the impatience that frustrates me about my own lack of progress can also kick in at an organisational level. I can point the finger at other people's deficiencies or external factors beyond my control. I believe growth should be observed and can be measured. I think it's important to do both. And numbers are used consistently to plan, measure and record through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Where we tend to come undone is if we value outputs over outcomes, create our own quantitative targets and timelines, or believe in a programme or methodology to achieve our objectives more than the sovereignty of God. It is fitting that Psalm 50 speaks about the sovereign might of God and his righteous judgment. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens proclaim his righteousness for he is a God of justice. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings which are ever before me. 
I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank-offerings to God, fulfil your vows to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honour me. But to the wicked person, God says, What right have you to recite my laws, or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction, and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You sit and testify against your brother and slander your own mother's son. When you did these things and I kept silent, you thought I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Consider this, you who forget God or I will tear you to pieces with no one to rescue you. Those who sacrifice thank-offerings honour me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation. This psalm starts with a dazzling description of the coming of the Lord Almighty. God comes with noise and fire and tempest. No one can fail to notice this entrance. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, and summons his people. It is no small thing to be called into God's presence. God is a God of justice and judges in righteousness. There is no miscarriage of justice in the court of the Lord, no higher authority to appeal to, no one more knowledgeable or fair or true. This judgment starts with God's people, and looks beyond ritual and sacrifice. Everything is the Lord's, so there is nothing we have that will impress him. He looks for thanksgiving, obedience, and commitment. It moves on to judgment against the wicked, for their rebellion, hypocrisy, thievery, adultery, and deceit. The righteous judge will not turn a blind eye to evil. But the good news is, that salvation is at hand. It ends with an exhortation to get right with God. Time's up for playing fast and loose with me. I'm ready to pass sentence, and there's no help in sight. It's the praising life that honours me. As soon as you set your foot on the way, I'll show you my salvation. God sees all and knows all. The evidence against us is compelling, our own testimony sufficient to convict. Everything we hope to keep secret has been exposed. We are clearly guilty. The verdict is in. We have been acquitted because Jesus has lived the life God required of us and died the death we deserved. God knows us and loves us. He is committed to that process of change in us, much more than we could ever be. Much of this healing starts within. And so in faith, 
we keep going.